calling all consumer goods, business owners, and marketing professionals. Does planning content ahead of time stress you out? Do you want to run Instagram and Facebook ads, but just aren't sure where to start? If your answer is yes and yes, then our mini course was made for you. It's 100% free and packed with essential tactics that you can implement as soon as today. To join in, visit our website at umymarketing.com slash mini course. All right, let's get on with the pod. Welcome to the Umai Social Circle, where we talk consumer goods tips to help business owners and marketers grow. We're Allison and Karen, co-founders of Umai Marketing, and we are being joined today with Steph and Lindsay from the Rind PR. They are back for our four-part series where we're auditing young CPG brands on PR and digital marketing. So welcome, everyone, to episode three. We are diving into Sippin' Snacks, which offers gourmet snacks that pair perfectly with your craft beer, your wine, your cocktails. So it's a really interesting brand who they seem like they partnered uh, with mostly tap rooms and wineries. Uh, but due to COVID, when we all had to pivot, they also pivoted and started uh, getting into the D2C genre, D2C presence, what have you. So really interesting concept. Um, would love to hear, you know, everyone's thoughts on this brand and, and this concept in general. Yeah. I mean, I like to drink alcoholic beverages and I like to <laughs> have snacks um, so I don't get too drunk and also to just, you know, have everything taste better. So <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, what, like, what could be bad about this really? <laughs> and yeah, I think it's, it's a cool idea. And, you know, like so many, um, you know, bars and tap rooms and whatnot have food trucks or different things, or, you know, sometimes there'll be like a bag of chips or something, but this is definitely like taking it to another level to make it a little bit more fun than just kind of like, oh, I need to eat something, (laughs) you know, because I'm drinking. Yeah. I mean, salt makes you want to drink more. So this is in the best interest of (laughs) the B2B, you know, wine, wine rooms and tap, tap rooms. So Yeah. So hopefully everyone is, is selling, like making a profit off of this. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's a super interesting, um, idea kind of one that's like, Oh, you know, why are there, maybe there are some other similar things though. I haven't really seen, you know, any products geared to specifically to this. Um, so, you know, obviously great idea. Um, and then we kind of took a look you know, from a PR standpoint, the first thing we look at is messaging. So um, we really liked the, like the tagline on the homepage, which says snack more, sip more, which is basically, (laughs) I think what you were just saying, Allison, like if you are snacking more, it's salty, you want to drink more. And it's like a cyclical, (laughs) a cyclical thing until eventually they make you leave. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's a great kind of tagline. Um, You know, we also noticed, and I think maybe you'll notice this too, like the snacks aren't really pictured on the homepage, which is slightly confusing. Like the tagline is great, but you don't really see what it is. There's kind of a cool, um, I don't really know if this is a video, I guess it's a GIF of someone pouring wine, but still no snacks. Um, I guess towards the bottom, you see a couple options, but it shows a t-shirt first, which is cool, but probably shouldn't be like at the forefront of what it is. You know, I think just overall showing people what the product is, you know, at the top of the homepage is, is gonna, you know, kind of like, cause people, maybe people won't scroll down if they don't see it, if they are not like, Oh, this looks delicious. <laughs> you know, you want to maximize that reach by putting it at the top. I feel like <laughs> this, it, it really like sit more, snack more. That's a great tagline, especially cause I feel like they are geared towards, <laughs> B2B. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, I, I agree. I think it's really important to show off what it is, you know, yeah. front and center <laughs> before anyone has to scroll. And I feel like it's such a fun brand and such a fun concept that I would want to see people enjoying the product, especially since there's, you know, it's a pretty straightforward product. And the more lifestyle shots I see, the more I'm going to want to buy it and eat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, like one thing that I kind of was noticing, obviously we're in a weird place in terms of 
pandemic, you know, like I don't think anywhere, at least in the United States, there are places where we're really like stuck at home and not going to like the tap rooms and the bars anymore. So it kind of becomes a thing where like, I see why they changed, I'm assuming changed or created this website for people to like, yeah, like the D to C thing to have it at home. But I don't know. You know, another thing that was kind of confusing to me too is that there's a link to Hops and Nuts. I don't know if you all saw that too. I saw it on their yeah, social I saw media. That on Instagram. And I think if I were to guess <laughs> that the Hops and Nuts is if it's like a bar or a tap room buying it and then the sip and snacks is at home. So maybe I think the hops and nuts may have been the original product. Yeah. And yeah. The sip and snacks kind of came out of, right. I think that's, that, that was what I kind of was guessing. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> hops and nuts was when they had B2B, mm-hmm. but it says like on their homepage that after the pandemic hit 60% of their accounts, wouldn't make it back to be able to reopen. So that's Mm -hmm, why they mm -hmm. brought in sip and snacks to be their retail grocery D to C offering. But I do, I completely agree. I think it's really confusing the way it's laid out there. And if you're going to want to (laughs) go on the D to C, go all in, don't make it confusing to the consumer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it took us all a little bit to get, to the point where like, oh, okay, this makes sense. And, and it is, it is that much time with a consumer that's <laughs> exactly no one's going to look as hard as we did when we were trying <laughs> to do this audit. Right. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I mean, I think like, of course it's part of your story and it's totally fine to, to mention that somewhere, but I think, you know, it's kind of just picking one with your messaging um, not having to fully connect it. Like, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. I don't think too much, at least, you know, it's interesting because I kind of feel like the beginning of the pandemic, this would have been like a great media pitch, like a pandemic pivot. Right. But at this point, that's not necessarily what people are looking for. I think people are just literally wanting to think like, Oh, I can, I can, enjoy these at home because I'm going to drink at home and I'm going to snack at home, you know? Um, so I think, yeah, just kind of like honing in on that, not spending too much time telling the backstory, at least at this point. <laughs> Are you saying sense. like there's too much language surrounding the pandemic still, and it, it should just be about like, enjoy this at home and pair it with your favorite craft beer. Yeah. That's, that's kind and of I what love, I'm thinking. I love what, what did you say? <laughs> pandemic pivot. I love yeah. that term. I'm one. sure I'm sure it's a hashtag. <laughs> but you know, I mean, so many businesses had to do that. Like you think of, I know the most obvious example I think of is like a restaurant that um, well, actually, like Ryan Lewis is an example. You like you all started bottling sauces and rubs mm-hmm. and things, whereas before it didn't really even it wasn't even really necessary to necessarily like to sell these products you would use at home one to make money and two to like provide some kind of service to your customers. Um, you know, so many restaurants are like, okay, yeah, like I'm going to bottle this sauce (laughs) so I can make some money off of this. Um, so there's, yeah, Yeah, I I feel like it's almost like like nearly every business had to pivot in some way in some capacity. So I feel like it's almost to me, like the farm to table movement where like almost every restaurant is, pretty much farm to table. So like saying it, everybody's already doing it. So it's almost unnecessary. Um, it's almost, it's expected, I guess. So I feel like overtelling the story, I think it definitely, it should be a part of the story because it explains why the name change or just the idea of like how the product is intended to be used and consumed. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's definitely a part of the story, but I think you know, I guess our advice would be to just kind of hone in on that messaging and just kind of um, really just, you know, zhuzh it, as they say. Um, And I think it's, I think less said, uh, more direct is definitely better, Um, especially on a website (laughs) where people don't necessarily want to read paragraphs and paragraphs of a story, no matter how interesting. I think 
as straightforward as you can possibly be while still calling out like the most important pieces of information, which can be really hard. But I don't think having like an outside eye sometimes just helps um, in like distilling that down. Yeah, it's so hard to write your own about us. Yeah, yes, like one of the for most, sure. I mean, even for us. Yeah, <laughs> you would think it would be like, you know, second nature, but it's really difficult. But like the founder looks really cool and fun and spunky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know her name. I don't, I don't know their name. Right. That's true. Um, I don't know, you know, why they started this business? Why have they been in the, you know, the beer industry? Mm-hmm. I, you know, there, there's probably a really cool story. Um, and I love that they're showing up like with their face and everything, but would love to know more. Yeah. That was some, that was a note that we had as well. Um, you know, it's also kind of interesting because if you go to look at the topic of the website, it kind of mentions two different like accolades in a sense, like the Kehi diverse trend selection, um, and it, it's kind of not totally clear what that award was. It's like golden ticket winners for diversity, you know, like it mentions the quote from them. We believe that women, BIPOC, LGBTQIA plus veterans, et cetera, you know, that's the diversity, but I think, you know, playing up that diversity, not just kind of like, oh, here's an award we won that is for that, but like more in that about section, like this is who I am. This is how I'm diverse. You know, we talked about this, I think, I can't remember which previous episode now, but like, you know, women founded or, you know, like people people are looking for those sorts of like, di- you know, like looking for people with diverse backgrounds to support for that reason. Um, and at least kind of like spread the love. So I think whatever a founder is comfortable sharing about themselves, um, it's only going I mean, for the most part, I think it's only going to help them, um, at least in the world we live in today, you know, <laughs> like by proudly, proudly saying those things. Yeah, I think those keywords too also help when um, media are looking at your website yes. or your Instagram <laughs> profile um, and they're considering coverage, especially if there are a few products like in consideration, having some sort of like differentiator and keyword um, called out, not necessarily as you know, a spotlight on it, like, look at this, but it definitely, I think, helps in terms of, like, identifying brands to support, like Steph said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, kind of going back to what we were saying before, I think maybe just consolidating somehow the hops and nuts and the sip and snacks on the same website would make it more cohesive or just picking one name um, for both. Cause I think that if, if this, this website can talk about like places they have been available or like even specific brands they've worked with and specific brand pairings that will add a level of credibility, um, and like why you want to buy it and enjoy it at home. Or even just like, I mean, it says on the package, like pairs with red wine or like various things, but you know, I think, Honestly, this kind of goes into probably a next thought about like-minded brands and that sort of thing, like for social and for influencers and whatnot. But it's basically like, you know, if, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, like if there's a, a brewery and, you know, they sell the product or they pair really well, like a very specific, like, <laughs> I don't know, like a stout pairs well with these, then they can also, that other brand can share on their accounts and it just raises the awareness overall. But besides that, it adds like a yeah level of credibility. Like if I was a media person and I went on the website and I saw that like, oh, this brewery and this distillery that I've heard of also sell them or like pairs well with them, then you're more likely to want to cover it than either something that just doesn't have those like kind of call outs, um, like for lack of a better, for credibility to be like, okay, this is, this is more legit, <laughs> you know, other people like it. So it's probably good. Yeah, for sure. And I, that's the kind of something I was thinking about too, just like while I was on the Instagram account um, and just like thinking about like how, you know, how would I enjoy these like, you know, opportunities for, you know, getting in front of influencers and like using, you know, whether you have connections 
in the industry that, you know, were former retailers or former like wholesale accounts, um, leaning on them to promote on their end, um, is such a great like value add. And, you know, like thinking about like lifestyle photography, you know, sending out your product to influencers and having them post, you can use that user generated content on your own account. Um, and it's just great ways to really like showcase like how the product is used. Um, but it's just, it's such a fun brand. And I feel like I want to see more like in action or like with like alongside drinking. Um, Cause I feel like we see like, a lot of product shots um, or just drinking shots, but I want to see them coming together <laughs> and being enjoyed together. <laughs> so I feel like there's yeah. a lot of opportunity to <laughs> do like collaborations or like partnerships with um, you know, whether that is just like local, like starting small, um, with local breweries or local distilleries, um, and then maybe it's engaging with, you know, more regional, um, partners, you know, statewide, um, and then kind of opening that up even more, but, you know, based on like where you're selling and where your customers are. But, um, yeah, I definitely, I would love to see more drinking and snacking or sorry, Sipping and snacking together. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of took a look to see if there was um, any influencer shares. You normally just look at the, the kind of like tagged part um, on an Instagram account and there really wasn't anything there. So, um, you know, I think it's just like adding influencers as part of a PR campaign Um in a similar sense, it's, it could be, yeah, starting like local. Um, yeah. Again, thinking about where your brand is available and then trying to build awareness there that way. I mean, if it's obviously if it's a D to C thing, you can kind of get it anywhere, but you know, if, if you are tying in the tap rooms and other actual places to go, then, um, then focusing on those like parts of the country or parts of the state makes sense. And, you know, like maybe people want to go um, try it at the brewery before they buy a bunch for their house too. <laughs> and yeah, that's kind of, I think where some of those uh, influencer packages that like Lindsay was kind of mentioning can play in and you could potentially, you know, like if there's a local brewery that your snacks are sold at, then you put together a cool package with your, you know, whatever uh, product, whatever snack pairs with a beer from there. And then maybe also, I don't know, like a pint glass that's branded um, either with the, like it could be a sip and snacks pint glass. It doesn't even have to be the brewery's pint glass. Um, or there's probably some other other fun things. That's kind of like the obvious one. It could be a wine glass. It could be, <laughs> it could be a cocktail recipe that pairs really well with it. And you know, like there is some amount that you have to spend when you're giving influencers like product for free, um, you know, exchange for them sharing, um, and then buying some of these like additional glasses and like merch and stuff. Um, but you know, overall. I mean, of course we're biased, but <laughs> we have found, you know, based on our experience, of course, that, uh, that those are the sorts of things that do build the kind of awareness that you, that, you know, brands kind of need some more people are continuing to know about the product and actually buy it. So, you know, you don't have to go crazy. You can start locally, um, with a few influencers. And then once you're like, oh, okay, like <laughs> I saw how this worked, then you can expand. Yeah. So a question on that because I, I do feel the same um, when you said start locally that this brand really should put a lot of effort in like North Carolina, California, where they already have mm -hmm. relationships that seem to be going well. So um, how do they go about finding local <laughs> influencers <laughs> to work with? I feel like my my approach, uh, and I don't know if Steph is, uh, if she does this as well, but like, I <laughs> think about like, well, first of all, I think about who the customer is, like, who's actually buying these. Is it, you know, do they love craft beer? Like, where would they go? What would they do? Um, 
And then I, you know, kind of make like a mental list or actual list of other brands and businesses that these target customers would actually go to or would follow um, and potentially post about because you want it, you want, obviously you want people who are, you know, <laughs> posting about these brands. So then I would go to those accounts and kind of work back and see who has posted there and like looking at their like tagged photos on Instagram um, and kind of work back that way. Um, if you are completely unfamiliar with influencers in that region, but I think having an idea of like who your competitors or who your like-minded brands are is like one of the biggest assets, um, to how to approach influencers and media too. Cause you know, with media, you want to know like where your competitors are being covered and how they're being covered and how they're being talked about. Um, and then other types of brands, you know, in that space, um, or other types of businesses in that same space. Um, so then you're, you know, going to a mat, like, you know, a local publication, um, or newspaper, um, and then seeing the types of stories that these competitors or like-minded brands are being written about in and seeing who's writing these stories. Um, so you're kind of doing, you're reverse engineering the story or the opportunity essentially. Um, yeah. so I think that's probably the, yeah. the most, uh, <laughs> direct yet <laughs> somewhat <laughs> tedious way but free, <laughs> right. But the right. free version. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what you said about competitors, <laughs> that's not, you know, that that's something you need to know for every yeah. piece of your yeah. business. Yeah, really. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so important and, um, you know, not only keeping a, a tab on what other people are doing and how they're innovating and, you know, what the big brands are, are doing. So you, you can get um, you know, some insights there, but also just kind of, you know, staying inspired. Uh, we're, we're big on inspo. We even have a Facebook group where we pull inspo from, you know, the big brands for email, paid social and, uh, organic social, because creating content is hard. Like it is, it's a hard job and, um, you really got to stay on top of it in order to, um, create quality content. So, definitely uh, follow your competitors on Instagram or sign up for their newsletter. You can do it from your private account, but uh, definitely follow them around. And just to, to reiterate what Lindsay was saying. So basically you're just going into Instagram, going to either influencers or uh, like local retailers in your space. And then like looking at the tags to find is that how you're saying it works. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at the tags. Um, and you know, obviously if you're going to, so like for sip and sacks, for example, if there was a local brewery that was a, you know, craft brewery that has a good following, um, that's pretty on brand, I would go into the tagged photos and kind of take a look through the like top. So if you're doing it on, I, I think if you do it on maybe like a desktop, I don't know if it does it on your phone. Um, but a lot of times you can see like the top um, photos and then you can sort it by recent. So I would take a look at like what the top photos are, which are going to be like, you know, have like higher engagement or looking at influencer posts that have a similar aesthetic to your brand. So that's another thing too, is like you could find some really great influencers, but they may not necessarily be a fit aesthetic wise or exactly like what you're looking for. So like if you found an influencer that is, has a ton of followers, you know, hundred thousand followers and posted about craft beer, but is more of like a fashion influencer or something, it may not necessarily be as much of a fit as a influencer that is um, more into like food, beverage, hospitality space, but has 20,000 followers. So it also take into consideration not just the like engagement or follower count, but also like who, what type of content they're posting. I think that's really important too. So there's, there's a lot of factors I think that go into, you know, considering an influencer campaign. Um, and I feel like I could talk about this for hours, but, um, definitely like, that's, I think the easiest way to like find influencers in your region that may potentially be a fit. And then you can kind of narrow it down from there. Yeah, definitely 
work with influencers who look like your ideal customer. There's Mm -hmm. no need to go beyond that. It's just, it's not going to make sense. I don't know if you guys heard that. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Oh man. He he just groans every time he lays down, like he's had the hardest life the hardest day. (laughs) I thought he was just disagreeing with everything we were saying. (laughs) That's not right. (laughs) Oh man. Well, awesome. Okay. So anything else on the PR side before we hop on over to digital side, digital marketing? I kind of feel like that that's it. Um, we probably have some other related things to what you're about to say, but I think we pretty much hit all our main talking points that we found. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. I think we're going to have a little bit of overlap too, because it's a lot of the things obviously that we were seeing. So (laughs) let's dive into the marketing side, the digital marketing side and specifically Instagram first. So going back to what you guys were talking about, in like not knowing what Sip and Snacks is versus Hops and Nuts and how they're both, well, Sip and Snacks tags Hops and Nuts, but Hops and Nuts doesn't tag Sip and Snacks. I think the clarity can be done. Obviously, there's a lot to be done on the website. And I think for a brand to invest in new branding and packaging, they understand the importance of investing in their brand. So I hope that, you know, if they want to go forward with Sip and Snacks and make it the real deal product that they want it to be. Um, The website needs a lot of updates. Um, But for now, when we're talking about Instagram, I think a lot of that differentiation can happen in the bio, just for clarity's sake. So Sip and Snacks, Gourmet Bar Snacks, I like the name. That's completely fine. You have your Snack More, Sip More headline, tagline, um, and then it says from tap and tasting room approved hops and nuts. But then when I go to hops and nuts, it's not very clear what that is. So I would make it really, really clear if Hops and Nuts is your brand that's B2B and that's the product that's in the wineries and tap rooms, be more specific here so it's less confusing. And I would put that at the end. I Unless Hops and Nuts is this really established, reputable source it doesn't really need to be there in my opinion, because people don't know what that is anyways. Um, So just for clarity's sake, just cleaning that bio up can make that really helpful. But what really excites me is how awesome the branding is. And I love the naming, you know, like it's like lager and lime. Okay. I definitely need to eat these craft peanuts with the lager. It's so straightforward and fun. I think the content can be there, can, can match it for sure. So a big rule that we like to stick by rule it's we hard and fast with the rules. It's all great, but we want people to stick to kind of 80, 20, So 80% entertaining content, 20% sales focused. And when I look at the feed now, while I'm excited about the fun, the animations, the gifts, the videos, it all says the same thing. So I'm looking at the top 12 posts, 10 of them say snack more, sip more graphically somewhere, not 10 of them, like seven of them maybe eight, maybe nine. Let's count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine out of 12. Nine out of 12 say snack more, sit more. I love that you're trying to get the point across, but it's so sales heavy. There's no reason for someone to follow you because they can guess what you're going to post next. What we want to do is really establish those messaging buckets that we've talked about in the past episodes. Think education, recipes, community-focused stuff, behind the scenes, I love that the one reel is the founder kind of showing face, um, but there can be so much more of that. And I want you to jump into reels and think of like really fun series that you can do. Someone, um, for example, someone doing a drink and a snack pairing, talking about the flavors and just having it be a running series. If it's the founder, even better. Um, You can also do a cocktail making series where you make cocktails and it's just like a really beautiful real recipe style video and you're snacking at the same time while you're making the cocktail there's so many fun things that you can do and if you don't have somebody on your team doing it you can find one of these micro influencers that are super interested in the product that want to maybe make affiliate commission for promoting the product and making content for you so lots of great opportunity there 
And then, you know, making the snacks look really delicious. Uh, right now, I think that you guys do a really great job of featuring the actual product. I think you can pull back on that a little bit because when we talk about 80-20, just a little bit less salesy to give people a reason to follow. Why are they following you? You want to build community. You want to give them something. So give them recipes, give them education, give them something fun to scroll past and really get excited about. And then one other thing that I was thinking is all like you guys already mentioned it, but the amount of collaborations that can be done with this brand, they're endless. There's so many different alcohol companies like alcohol accessory companies. There's so many different brands that would be so fun to do giveaways and collaborations with, which will help boost your social proof, your followers, your engagement, all of that good stuff, your brand awareness. So collaborating with as many people as you can. And what we recommend is wherever you guys are creating your content or storing your content calendar, or if you're not doing that yet, just simply creating a Google sheet and making a long list of people that would be your dream partners. So people that really make sense to collaborate with your brand and then reach out to them. And we always tell people to shoot their shot, no matter how big a brand is, if they look at yours, they're like, oh my gosh, that branding's awesome. The product is so amazing. I haven't seen something like this before and I want to try it myself. They just might partner with you. So That is definitely what I think you guys should be doing. And we recommend doing these partnerships like two times a month when you're in that high growth phase. So try that out. And then the last note I'm going to say on Instagram, because I'm pummeling you with a lot of stuff, even though I think you're doing an amazing job with getting content out at the rate that you are, is go beyond that constant call to action to stack more, sit more that I just mentioned and tell the reader why they should. You know, like when I'm reading the caption or when I'm looking at the creative, why should I, you know, like I, there's so many different reasons to want to do it. Tell me why I need to tell me why I can't live without your product, why I need it in my bar cart at all times. I just went hard y'all. Do you guys have any thoughts about Instagram? (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. And I was thinking too, like incorporating photos or reels, um, in like different I guess like different scenarios of like how to enjoy. So Mm -hmm. like I kind of, the first thing I was thinking about, like after, you know, having like Chex Mix at a bar, which I love, this is like, like an actual like elevated version of that was like having this at home for a party or game night. And like that for me, like I don't necessarily like to cook or put together amazing charcuterie boards or anything like that. Well, I would love to. Uh, I would love to have something that's like easy that I know people are going to like that is like a little bit different than just like pouring out a, you know, container of pretzels or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So like showcasing fun scenarios where this like could and should be enjoyed and like why people, like you said, why people need it. Um, But yeah, I was thinking like, man, if I saw this, like if I saw a game night, I'd be like, oh, I do need to host a game night and I should buy a couple of these bags and maybe I'm going to get a different couple different kinds. Um, so I just like having that, like that inspo so readily accessible for people to view it either, whether that's like on the website or on Instagram, um, I think is like light bulb moment. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that there's a lot of power in UGC style content. We all know this. And a lot of this looks to be stock photography or just like more, produced images. And it's like, give this to so many micro influencers, see what you can get from it. Find ones that are true advocates of it that are like, I'm obsessed with this. I have to have this chocolate porter every time I'm having a porter now. And you're going to get a lot better content. And I love what you're saying. It's like, if you have wine night with your girlfriends once a week, and you see these ladies having wine and whatever vineyard red craft peanuts at the same time, it's like, oh, I need to have that with our wine next time, you know, like, I think the opportunity is here because it's so specific, you know, like they have really honed in on who their customer is, it seems like. So I I think that's a really fun opportunity. So much that can happen. I mean, I'm, it's it's exciting. I just like, when I see a brand like this and I'm like, Ooh, if our team could just get our hands on it, (laughs) that's always like a good thing. Cause it's like, I feel like there's a lot of legs, like that's, 
beautiful branding, lots of colors to work with, lots of different types of products that will lend itself to different types of content. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a fun brand for sure. So with the website, Allison, what were you seeing? Yeah, I just kind of want to reiterate because Steph and Lindsay brought up a lot of good website points. So, um, you know, about the hero image, just showing off more product, um, showing off more lifestyle images. And then again, with the shop section, um, in your collection section, collection section, where all of your products are laid out, um, always feature the best sellers first. I don't think that's your t-shirt. Your t-shirt is showing up first. If it is, then my bad. But generally you want your best sellers to be front and center so that it's easy for people to just click and shop. Um, again, the, there's also a collection on the, um, on the front page too. So just make sure that the right products are being shown on the homepage and then they're in the right order on the collections page. Another thing that we were thinking, um, if you you know are going to continue pursuing D 2 C, it would be a great move to bundle your products. So bundle um, your two to three bestsellers, or bundle a salty um, you know pack and bundle a sweet pack. Um, and that's just going to help get your average order value higher right now. I think it's, you know, at $7, obviously people can buy multiples. Um, but you really need, uh, product bundles that are, you know, at least over $20. That's just going to help. Uh, if you ever decide to run ads, it's just going to help you make a return a lot a lot faster. And, you know, um, you have a lot of that data in your backend. If you're using Shopify or, or whatever platform you're using, you can generally see, you know, customer uh, bought always buys this and this. So you can start to understand the patterns there. So use that knowledge um, to create those bundles. And then I, I am not going to lie. I'm still a little confused <laughs> about sip and snacks versus the, uh, what is it? Hops and nuts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so because there's, there's wholesale on sip and snacks. So, you know, if, if you don't want to link that wholesale page from sip and snacks over to hops and nuts, then, you know, consider adding the where to buy or like where we're, where we're located on that wholesale page, consider building it out to look like a true wholesale page and, and showing off a map and showing people like, you know, we're at your bar five miles down the road um, because otherwise it's just confusing and it just feels like it's a missed opportunity at this point. But I will say like Karen and everyone else has said it's gorgeous branding and the website is, you know, it's, it's nice looking, you know, you, you've done a great job. Um, it's just kind of cleaning some things up and, and getting a little organized. And uh, earlier I said, I didn't know your name. I do. It's Melissa, but I just meant adding that to the about us. It seems like you have a, a cool story and, um, you know, sharing and relating to your, your consumers, your customers and the about us section of your website, I think could really go a long way. Any other web thoughts y'all? No, I think, yeah, you definitely hit some of the things I was thinking about um, just in terms of like, like wholesale, how to distinguish. And I think, you know, Steph brought this up earlier, but, um, you know, as you're signing on retailers, um, having a list of where it's available to purchase, even though somebody who visits your website may not be able to purchase it from that retailer's website gives credibility. And so if people, if writers or influencers or anybody or customers uh, are going to your website and they're scrolling through and they're trying to decide, you know, if they want to buy and they see that it's, you know, actually available at a couple of their favorite breweries or distilleries or wineries, um, it's just kind of, it, it gives it a, a certain level of credibility. And, um, and I think it also opens up the doors for, um, you know, for more collaborations, there's just so many possibilities when you make that information known. 
Yeah. And I was thinking, I love the idea of the bundles for many reasons, but it's also a really good way to collaborate. Like granted, they might end up having to make some sort of new product. So I don't know obviously how challenging that is, but if it's a limited edition thing, um, like if there is a brewery and you're doing like a bundle that is like co-branded with them, you know, you could have like one like paired with each of their beers and then it would kind of be like a part, like a more equal partnership where everyone's promoting it. And so it's like a limited edition thing where like you can pitch that to media and to influencers and kind of like the pattern with, you know, customer behavior is that if something is limited edition, you're gonna like act to buy it versus being like, I can buy this anytime. Like versus the like, oh, it's only limited edition. There's only so many. If I don't get this now, then I might not get it at all. And obviously a good way to get in front of like the brewery or the like the winery's audience. So yeah, I think just like mm. the bundles in general are good, but I think we just kind of keep being like so many cross-promotional opportunities here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that. And and that's something that I think um, you should really just keep in the your back pocket that, you know, instead of um, if you're e-commerce brand, um, instead of like always running sales or things like that, like there's other ways to produce scarcity um, through like these limited edition products or collaborations. What is that? Omsum does an amazing job at doing those types of collaborations and they're limited, you know, you can only get until they sell out. Yeah. And, um, I love those. They, they do a really good job. Yeah. Um, I think they did one with Disney recently. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Really Was cool. it for the Turning uh, Red movie? Um, Fishwife also does I, really cool ones. It, the I feel like the fish fish wife. wife, it's the like canned fish, which doesn't sound sexy, mm-hmm. but it is. Um, <laughs> they did they did something <laughs> with like Fly by Jane, which also does a lot of collabs. And yeah, I think that's yeah. already like back ordered. So yeah, just yeah, there's a lot of there's a I lot mean, of and examples you don't have to out there. Yeah, you don't have to go to Disney. Um, like yeah, say, yeah, you, you don't have go, to start there. <laughs> you can go local. Just make sure that, you know, the input is worth the output. It, it can be a lot um, on brands to produce those limited, you know, quantity, limited edition things. So, um, but always something to test and keep in your back pocket. I think that's really interesting so yeah, that that's web. That's a wrap on web. I think we all touched have, on it. I have one thing for web. Oh, Karen's yeah. got one thing for web. Just because when I'm on the homepage, I can't get over this. And I think that the product is too good to just like completely ignore like this. So when I'm on the homepage, all I see is a big sign that says snack more, sip more. And I have no idea what that means in this moment. And like, I know that we're talking about like, it's a good tagline and it's part, that's great. But it's kind of what I'm hearing is like, okay, if I eat more stuff, I can drink more stuff. And like, that's kind of the message I I get. But when I scroll down, I see another tagline that I think I like more, y'all. It's craft a great pairing with sip and snacks. Like craft a great, like it's actually telling me that there's like a pairing element, that there's like a drink this (laughs) you know and so like yeah yeah in my mind I'm like craft a great pairing and then have the actual pairing as a visual would be so strong I'd be like oh that's that's what this is that's what I'm doing so I there's a lot to be said with crafting a great home a great website but that home page that header image is so important that I would play with kind of testing that to see if you get more clicks do you guys? Yeah, so I think we all agree that um, we need some product or some lifestyle sip and snack as the hero. But what Karen's saying is testing the snack more, sip more versus what was it, Karen? Craft a great Craft pairing. Craft a great pairing. Yeah. So that could be something that you, um, you know, <laughs> just ask your friends and family or run a survey You can also run like a website A-B test. It's really difficult to get results on A-B test when you're a young brand, however. So it might be something that you would need to reach out 
to friends to really solidify that unless you're, you know, sold on, on what it currently is. But I think that's really interesting that that's what stood out to you, Karen. Yeah. And I mean, just, and like, there's so much space in between that header and the next section and that home taining. I don't know what that means. I have, I just, I just, it just clicked for me. Yeah. Entertaining, entertaining. Yeah. That's that's one thing that I was kind of calling out earlier. Like it's so in your face that this is like only for at home, but then it gets confusing because they're like wholesale, like, I'm assuming you don't wholesale to your house. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you really want a lot of product, but. Um, and, and that's okay. Yeah. Like this is, this is pandemic pivot. Like, yeah. 100%. You know, it's clear. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, we're all trying to figure it out and understand, you know, what the best Avenue is and, and maybe that's what's happening here. So the, hopefully there's enough time that's passed that you can understand which direction you can take and then just get very literal on your website about that direction. Okay. Any other web thoughts? No, my last thought after (laughs) my last thought after being like the website needs a lot of work, which I'm sure you already know. That's why you're asking for input on it is that this is a product. And I don't, I I mean, I look at a lot of snacks all day. Like I, that's all I do. I look at snacks, food and bev. And this is a product where I'm like, oh, dang, this is a good idea. And this looks delicious. And I know that people would want this, you know? So I just keep that in your mind as you hear us talking about all the things that can be improved because like, we think the product is awesome. Like this is a, it's it's a really nice idea. It's cool. And I think it works so good B2B and direct to consumer. So it's, it's great work. It's great work. <laughs> yeah. Great, great work. And, um, definitely want to get some and try it. I mean, the, the flavors look really fun too. So, okay. So moving on to paid social. So, you know, it's very difficult to do a paid audit when n- there's no ads running. Um, I don't know if you've ever run ads, so just bear with me. My, my overall first thoughts were, um, B2B, honestly, that's where I would, you know, think that your, your brand was heading now that, you know, we're talking about pandemic pivot, there could be room to run B2B retailer, you know, driven ads and D2C ads for D2C ads. So you got to get that AOV up. You got to bundle some things because you're not going to make a return. If you're selling a $7 product, it really needs to be closer to the $40 range. I know I said minimum 20, but really we want it closer to 40. Um, You can always do like upsells and cross sells or get them on your email list to continue that selling um, pattern. Um, But with D2C, just like everyone was saying, um, we would, we want to see more lifestyle, more UGC user generated content. It doesn't have to mean that you need to pay influencers to create that content for you you look like you probably have a lot of friends. (laughs) So host a party, give your snacks away to your friends and family and just be like, take five iPhone shots for me. And hopefully you can use some of those. Just people using the product and sipping on the correct alcohol with the product is really what we would want here. And that's what makes great ads. Um, If you ever do an influencer campaign, getting any of those influencer um, posts or stories and running those as ads, pushing them to your website, asking, um, you know, for sales. Also recipes could be a thing here. A lot of the nut brands that we've worked with in the past, we, you know, grind up the nuts and add them to a salad and just, you know, have all these, there's a lot of different messaging buckets that you could fall into. So that, that's another thing that, you know, could potentially work well for an ad for D to C. But in terms of B to B, where I think that um, there's a lot of potential for growth, it looks like you already have a really um, long list of people that retailers that you work with, businesses that you work with. So there's some things that you could do to increase that reach, increase um, the amount of stores that you get into, and then also allow the consumers that live around those stores to be aware that they can find you at XYZ Taproom. So we call those geo-targeted campaigns. 
and geotargeting just basically means um, you're you're targeting people who live within a certain radius of a zip code or a specific address. So for B2B, if you want to expand your B2B presence, you could, um, you know, pull in an address, like say you really want to get into this new winery across town. So you can actually pull that address and target people within five miles of that address and also target people who own wineries and hopefully get in front of the person that owns that winery. It's a really interesting way to increase your touch points before you actually call um, the person on the phone and say, hey, I have this product. They've, they've likely seen your ads a couple of times. So it's a really interesting way to get those touch points in before you actually make contact with someone. Um, and these types of ads are, are really inexpensive too. So uh, generally for geotargeting campaigns, we spend $5 a day and our objectives are the cheaper objectives like reach. Um, and you can reach a thousand people for two to three dollars on Meta or TikTok. So something interesting you could try. And that's for getting into new businesses um, for targeting consumers. So say you're in, you know, this specific uh, winery and you need to push product. You need people to, you know, be asking for sip and snacks when they go to this winery. So you can target people who live within a 10 mile radius of this winery and show off your UGC style ad, show off, you know, your product with the wine and just, you know, let them know that you're there so that they know they're already familiar with your brand. Um, they know to go there if they want your product, um, all those things. And and like I said, those types of ads are generally very inexpensive. So that could be a very, very small budget um, if that's something you want to test out. We got thoughts. That's And that's more, that's a lot less expensive, right? It's just like, not even like yeah. a little bit less expensive. It's a lot less expensive to do those. Is it, it is so much less expensive, yes. So <laughs> we kind of like label it as... Um, like high cost and lower cost in terms of the objectives you can choose on Meta and TikTok and all those platforms. So the high cost ones, it's going to cost a lot of money to ask someone to buy from you. That's that's going to be probably the highest cost thing that you can ask for. Um, so that's like your D2C ads. After that, it's most likely going to be asking for an email address. Um, or something like that, like a registration, um, an add to cart, um, anything in the checkout flow is going to be expensive. And that cost per mill for those costs to reach a thousand people for those more expensive events is around $10. For the cheaper events, um, like reaching people, um, having someone engage with an ad or simple brand awareness or even traffic campaigns where you could send these people to your store if you have a store locator on your website, which I think you should do. That cost per mill cost to reach a thousand people is generally around two to three dollars. So you can reach a thousand people for two bucks, which is pretty cool. So <laughs> we, we're recommending the, uh, the cheaper events for ge geo-targeted campaigns. At this point, when the website still needs a lot of optimizations, it's like you're not ready to send people to go purchase from your page right now because there's a lot of things that need to be worked out before you start spending your money in that way. Yeah, so that's a really good point. Um, you can't just throw money at a problem. Um, not that this is a problem at all. You just can't throw, there's a lot of things you have to check off and do before you can be profitable with D2C e-commerce, like conversion campaigns. One of them, making sure your website is converting at 4% pre-advertising spend. That's not a lot of sites convert at that. So you need to make sure you're converting there. You need to make sure you've really nailed down your organic social hopefully get some influencer and UGC going for you. You need to make sure that your email funnels are all set up so that people are getting indoctrinated and educated and sold through through email too. So there's a, yeah, there's a lot of things that have to happen before you should start spinning on um, e-commerce campaigns. 
In terms of organic content, do you all usually recommend cross-platform sharing? So like using the same content on TikTok, Instagram, um, and like, what, what do you usually recommend in terms of like getting the most engagement or I guess getting the most like bang for your buck when creating content? Yeah. So with Facebook and Instagram, the platforms are really different, but with Facebook, it's so hard to get engagement. Now you're just not, re- it's because you're not reaching anybody. It's not that people don't like what you're saying. It's you, you can't reach anybody. You have to pay for it on Facebook. And so that's why we don't want anybody to spend very much time at all crafting an actual strategy for Facebook because of that. So a lot of the times we'll take what we're doing on Instagram and we'll, we'll share it on Facebook too. We'll take out hashtags. We'll tag appropriately. We'll link appropriately because you can link on Facebook and you can't on Instagram and all that good stuff. But when it comes to TikTok, it's a completely different strategy. And when it comes to Pinterest, it's a completely different strategy. So you can still use the same kind of messaging bucket and theme of the post, but the creative and the copy, it has to be different. So let's take an example for, you know, for Pinterest, you want it to be a certain dimension. You want it to be a certain vertical dimension. You want to be able to send people to a link to your site. For Instagram, you want it, you, you have so many dimensions to work with and you are really wanting engagement. You're wanting people to share it. You're wanting people to save it. You're wanting people to like it and comment. And then with TikTok, it's only video content. I mean, sure, you can make slideshows with photos and that's all well and good, but it's such a completely different content strategy because there you're not really selling as much. You're mostly um, connecting and entertaining. So very different strategy between Meta and TikTok. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend, you know, if you're already creating reels for Instagram, sure, if you want to share it to TikTok and see what happens, that's completely fine. Why not? But don't expect for that to be the way you grow. Okay, cool. Any, any final thoughts about sipping snacks? Oh, no, but I need that Peppa snacks mix. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We should have a party. <laughs> Do I know. Party. Yes. This is the perfect <laughs> reminder, perfect excuse. We should get a, a variety pack, one of everything. Mm-hmm. Test it out. <laughs> oh, yeah, that reminded me. I, I kind of wanted to talk about that for, I mean, this could work with organic or paid, but this is a great product to match with events. So mm-hmm. um, anytime there's a big football game in a local one, like a, yeah. I don't know who plays for <laughs> what North Carolina university. That know. sounds right. Pa- um, you know, run an ad <laughs> two weeks before and just be like, Hey, this is the perfect snack for the North oh, Carolina yeah. football team. <laughs> I love not, idea. I mean, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think that's really smart. And also you can use that for influencers to um because they're planning their parties and they can kind of like stage a cool photo and share it and be like, I'm getting ready for the game. I'm, you know, I bought this. Here's like a mm-hmm. discount code or a direct link that goes back to like that's somehow connected to that influencer. So you can track, you know, how many people are actually like tapping on their link. Um, you know, to buy these snacks or, um, or I was going to say also for media opportunities, like it might just be like, you know, Super Bowl. I mean, that's one that happens, you know, I think people around the country celebrate that. (laughs) I love how we're like, we're sports people. I'm not. Um, But anyway, (laughs) like for Super Bowl, it could be like, you know, local, you know, a a lot of times it's like, where to get wings for Super Bowl, but it could just be like snacks to buy or ways to like make your party platter for the Super Bowl or whatever. Could be like for the Oscar party or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Always entertaining stories on, you know, types of products to amp up your home entertaining game. Um, So always (laughs) think about like seasonality or events to give, a reason for people to care about your product at that moment. Um, mm-hmm. So I think Karen or Allison, one of you guys had said like, why should, like, why would you care now? 
mm-hmm. um, give people a reason to. And so thinking about like events and seasonality, whenever you're planning your social media posts, your influencer engagement, if you're doing media outreach, you know, obviously with ads, um, it all ties together. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely kind of look at a calendar and take a, a few steps back and um, kind of plan out your, um, your quarter or your year, just like that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you, the Ryan PR team, for another <laughs> great episode and a great audit. Um, yeah, any, thanks for any, having us back. <laughs> of course. Yeah, we got one more to do, and then you're done with us for <laughs> yeah. a little bit. <laughs> you're never fully done with us. <laughs> no. <laughs> but anything you want to leave the audience before we sign off? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, hopefully this is super helpful for these brands and other brands that, you know, some of these things might be able to apply to them as well, or even just like for anyone looking at social media and media and kind of understanding a little bit more. Um, But besides that, you know, if you are in the place where you're interested in thinking about PR, um, you know, in addition to our kind of like regular larger scale uh, campaigns, we do offer offer consulting services and we can do audits. Basically just like this, more tailored. Anyone is interested in that and you can kind of get like a PR toolkit and some best practices um, for those who are really wanting to, to learn more and apply it to their brand. Awesome. Definitely do that. And we will link uh how you can get in touch with the Rind in the show notes. And then also uh, Umai offers a free five-day mini course. So if you're a young brand or marketer just looking to refresh your skills, um, definitely sign up for our mini course. It's lots of actual tips that cover organic social, paid social, and email marketing for CPG. All right, guys, that is a wrap. Thank you so much. Umai Social Circle is a CPG agency-driven podcast based out of Austin, Texas. We're excited to share more behind-the-scene insights, chats with industry leaders, and whatever else we learn along the way. Follow us on Instagram at Umai Marketing, or check out our website, umaimarketing.com. Catch you back here soon.